Hi everyone and welcome back to Bina 007 Movie Reviews where we've got another couple of films out in the UK this weekend that are dripping in award nominations and wins. The first is a scabrous black comedy drama called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, one of the best films I saw last year. The second film we'll be talking about is Darkest Hour, a Churchill biopic starring Gary Oldman that focuses on Churchill at the very start of his time as British Prime Minister during World War II. And then finally, I'm going to take you back to another film about Churchill that was released last year and that you can now watch on streaming services and you can rent called Churchill and starring Brian Cox but showing Churchill far more vulnerable at the end of World War II, just before the D-Day landings. And I think the two films make a really interesting complement to each other. So let's hear a short clip from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Here you've got the town sheriff, played by Woody Harrelson, accusing our heroine, played by Frances McDormand, of rather impolitic behaviour. Hey there, Mildred. You didn't happen to pay a visit to the dentist today, did you? No. Huh? I said no. Oh, so it wasn't you who drilled a little hole in one of Big Fat Jeffrey's Big Fat Thumbnails, no? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. You drilled a hole in the dentist? Denise, no, I didn't. I thought it was kind of funny myself, but he wants to press charges, so we're going to have to bring you in, I'm afraid. Okay, so that's definitely one of the funnier moments in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a film by writer-director Martin McDonough, who has made films like In Bruges, which is a very uniquely dark, nasty comedy that has a real cult following. In Three Billboards, he's created a film that's genuinely surprising and plays more as a slow-paced character drama. It's also got that trademark dark, filthy humour, but... I think when you look at the trailer and indeed the clip I played, you could be fooled into thinking it is a film like In Bruges that's just very tightly written, fast-paced comedy. The best and most funny scenes in Three Billboards are as funny as anything he's ever written, if not more so. But this is a film that is far more profound, that's a far more fascinating and interesting exploration of what it means to suffer hurt, the human impulse towards revenge and how satisfying or not that can be. So the film stars Frances McDormand, um, who many of you will know from the movie Fargo. She plays Mildred Hayes, who is the mother of her daughter, Angela, who a year before the film starts, her daughter was brutally raped and murdered. And she basically hires these three billboards, advertising billboards outside her small town to put up signs that accuse the local police of not having worked hard enough to find the man who did it. So it's a film with a theme that's very much of our times, given the Me Too campaign and the Time's Up campaign. It's a woman looking for justice after a horrible act of sexual violence. So her accusations pit her against Chief Willoughby, who's played by Woody Harrelson, um, most recently seen in the superb War of the Planet of the Apes. And... He is a genuinely decent guy, even though he's being accused. He's a family man. He's in literally a one street town and he wants to reassure her that he's doing his best. Mildred is also pitted against 
Willoughby's deputy Dixon, who's played by Sam Rockwell, whose best work, I think, was in the film Moon. This is a fascinating relationship because when we first meet Dixon, he's just that typical stupid racist deputy from a small town in America that we've seen in so many films. It's a real cliché. But as we move through the film, we find the darker sides to Mildred's character, but we also find a kind of redemption arc between Dixon's. And without giving away too much of the plot, eventually they do come together and they do bring out the best and worst in each other. And I think it's a really intelligent and humane exploration within the confines of what's still a very funny film. For Game of Thrones fans, you also get a cameo from Tyrion Lannister, a.k.a. Peter Dinklage, as a guy who's desperately in love with Mildred and can't seem to get her attention. And actually, it's a film that has a really good cast of smaller characters, including Caleb Landry-Jones as the, the poor schmuck who sold Mildred the space on the billboards. I, I really loved this film when I saw it. It was the closing night movie of the London F- Film Festival last year. I love Martin McDonagh's writing. I love his visual style, the way in which he composes this fictional town and shows you these brilliant interactions within it. I think Frances McDormand, for whom the part was written, is absolutely... Oh, just it's a devastating performance, not just because of the comedy, angry swearing that's the superficial aspect of her character, but because of the profound pain that underlies it and the fact that she retains our sympathy even when she becomes more and more extreme in her revenge seeking. But finally, I think the reason I love this film is that I watch so many movies and it's so rare to be surprised by what happens in a film. And I think this movie surprised me not once, not twice, but thrice. It took characters and events in directions that I could not have predicted. But, and this is the important bit, which make absolute sense and don't break the kind of narrative credibility. That's so unusual. So I think this is a really deep, dark, surprising film. It's more considered, I think, than Martin McDonough's previous work. I think it's very layered very disturbing but ultimately really worth a watch it's a tough watch even while it's funny so I'd warn you of that but I think it's really a tremendous movie three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri has a running time of 115 minutes it's rated R in the USA and 15 in the UK the BBFC insight is that it contains very strong language strong violence and sex references It was out in the USA last November, but will probably still be running given how many awards it's getting and opened in the UK this weekend. Right, with that, let's move on to Darkest Hour, another awards dripping movie starring Gary Oldman. And in this clip, you see Stephen Delane playing Lord Halifax, who wants to sign a quick peace treaty with Hitler, given that the rest of Europe has already fallen. And Churchill, this lone voice crying out that we have to stand firm and that Britain should not sign a peace treaty and carry on fighting. There's nothing heroic in going down fighting if it can be avoided. Nothing even remotely patriotic in death or glory if the odds are firmly on the former. Nothing inglorious in trying to shorten a war that we are clearly losing. Losing! Europe is still... Europe is lost. And before our forces are wiped out completely, now is the time to negotiate in order to obtain the best conditions possible. Hitler will not insist on outrageous terms. He will know his own weaknesses. 
he will be reasonable. When will the lesson be learned? When will the lesson be learned? How many more dictators must be wooed, appeased, good God, given him mixed privileges, before we learn? You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth! Okay, so on to Darkest Hour, which is a film about the first month of Winston Churchill's prime ministership and what's often referred to as the cabinet war room crisis. So it's a very compressed, intense account of effectively the Conservative Party at odds with its leader. It begins with Neville Chamberlain, the previous Prime Minister, being discredited by Parliament for his association with the appeasement policy and being forced to resign. And it's that issue that's going to run through the entire film. The King... The party want Lord Halifax to take over, who's also an appeaser. But Halifax himself recognises that the opposition will not accept him and they need to have a coalition government during wartime. So Winston Churchill steps forward, very popular with the people, very popular with the opposition, but not with his own party. And so as you run through these intense three or four weeks, you see a nation at a point of singular crisis. Western Europe has fallen or is falling to Hitler. What remains of the British army is encircled at Dunkirk with very little hope of getting them out alive. And Churchill has absolutely committed to the idea that one cannot negotiate anything, let alone peace with a tyrant. And yet and yet he sees the number of human lives that will be sacrificed at Dunkirk if there is no miracle. And he starts to doubt himself and to wonder if Lord Halifax is right and whether they should sue for peace with Hitler. What's really fascinating about this film is that it paints Churchill as a man of words. The very closing line of the film is that Churchill is a man who militarised the English language and sent it into battle. He weaponised it. And it's interesting that when he's wondering at his personal most dark hour whether he should appease, language fails him. And when he rediscovers his confidence, it comes back. What I like about this film is that it's very easy, with the benefit of hindsight, to portray Churchill as someone who always knew his mind and was a great hero. And of course, I do think he's a hero, but he's a flawed one. And the script written by Anthony McCartan, who also wrote The Theory of Everything, is very careful to show why people are sceptical of him, because he has had huge policy failures, not least at Gallipoli, which cost countless lives in World War I. He has been a guy who's flip-flopped between political parties, and he is, in a sense, too radical for Parliament. And those things are shown very clearly. It's also very easy, with the benefit of hindsight, to paint Lord Halifax as a weak, uncourageous appeaser. But I think the film is good to show why he and representatives of that generation were very scarred by World War I, and there was a logic having seen one European country after another fall to want to sue for peace. After all, as the film shows very clearly, America was definitely not helping or in the war at this point, and it's by no means clear that Britain will survive. So the idea of Churchill's we will fight them to the absolute end at any cost policy can seem inhumane and and frightening to many people in his own party. So I think from that sense, although of course Churchill's the hero, it is actually more balanced than I thought it might be. It's, it's less hagiographic than I feared. 
That said, this is not a film without its flaws. I think the way in which it shows Churchill coming back to confidence after his moment of crisis is rather weak and cliched, you know, listening to Joe Public. And it probably underplays a little bit the political significance and manoeuvring of bypassing the war rooms and calling his outer cabinet uh, to a meeting in Parliament and then addressing the House completely. But of course, one can't expect complete political nuance from a film like this. That said, that, that little one flaw, but it is a big flaw, that cheesy sort of underground station scene aside, I thought this was a very handsomely made film. The costumes are lavish. The way in which the production design is used to show the claustrophobia, the warren of cabinet warrooms underneath 10 Downing Street linking through to the palace is amazing. I also love how they depict Buckingham Palace itself as a kind of ornate prison that is closing in on the king who is very much alone and actually increasingly angry that he is potentially being asked to go into exile into Canada. And I like the contrast of those two very um, aggressively claustrophobic spaces with the warm homeliness actually of 10 Downing Street um, as supervised by Winston's very faithful and loving wife Clemmy and again you know praise for Kristen Scott Thomas for making that character far more than the typical caricature with the trademark hairstyle I mean she comes across as a woman of quite some substance but really this is Gary Oldman's show he's rightly winning a lot of praise for this performance the absolutely seamless transformation into Churchill under a lot of prosthetics. He somehow gets the gait, the humour, the lilt of the voice right without sounding like a cheap impersonation. And when I think of all the recent Churchills that we've been given, Brian Cox, John Lithgow, this Churchill is by far the most rounded and most convincing as a man of real self-confidence, real wisdom, um, but also one of frailty and one who is drinking constantly and smoking and rude to people when he's pissed off. So it's a very rounded and fascinating portrait of a great man. Finally, I guess a few words about the direction from Joe Wright, who most famously or successfully directed Atonement. As ever, he gives us a very fluid camera. He loves these camera moves that are very um, showy. They draw attention to themselves. And he loves showing us complex interiors and focusing on a particular character walking through them. Um, this gives the film a great fluidity. And for what could have been a very stodgy period drama, I'm thinking of the King's speech that was very stodgily directed. This has none of that. It does feel incredibly tense. It's an incredibly tense political thriller with a lot of dynamic range to it, given the fact that it's mostly in the cabinet war rooms. That said, I did, there are times when you just think some of those very fluid shots. What was the need for that one? But, you know, it's a small price to pay against a canvas of making a British costume drama that is effectively about two guys, Halifax and Churchill, having an argument. Really exciting and tense and interesting. So kudos to all involved. Um, I think Darkest Hour is an absolutely tremendous movie and I really hope that Gary Oldman uh, wins awards for his performance. The movie has a running time of 125 minutes and is rated PG-13. It opened last year, actually, in the USA and it's currently playing in the UK and Ireland. I really do hope you check it out. And actually, it is beautiful to watch and does deserve being seen on a big screen if you can get there. You must remember, Ike, we fought the Germans in France before. Even if you break through in Normandy, even with the massive casualties, civilian and military, what will our boys face in France? Hmm? 
another Western Front, Passchendaele, the Somme, trench warfare. Winston, we have an Air Force. We have self-propelled artillery, armored divisions. The age of pushing infantry to the front is over. Operation Overlord is not the only way of winning this war. I should know. I've seen a great many wars. Sure. Some of them in the last century. I beg your pardon. The war you're talking about was 30 years ago. I don't think you truly appreciate how much things have moved on. Okay, so with the release of Darkest Hour, I thought I would go back and watch Churchill, a film released last year. It's directed by Jonathan Plitsky, who also directed the historical drama The Railway Man, starring Colin Firth, which I think is a really overlooked film and is worth watching. The script for this film is by historian Alex von Tunzelman, who also wrote the Channel 4 drama Indian Summer. Um, Alex von Tunzelman is a historian and has had previously a column in the Guardian newspaper pointing out what's wrong with other films and how inaccurate their historical references are. So it's kind of ironic that there's very little evidence for the, for the Churchill figure that she portrays in this film, but we'll get to that in a moment. And the Churchill in this film is played by Brian Cox. We've got Miranda Richardson as his wife, seen most recently in the Boston Marathon movie Stronger. And you've got Mad Men's John Slattery as Eisenhower, which is brilliant. Um, Julian Wadham as Monty and James Purefoy, Purefoy as the stuttering king. It also feels to me like in every Churchill movie, you always have to have the pretty secretary who brings him to his senses and in this case it's the secretary is played by Ella Parnell. In most cases when you see these World War II films Churchill himself is the hero and as in Darkest Hour he's the guy who gets it fundamentally right about Hitler and has to battle all the naysayers and the appeasers but never really loses faith in himself as knowing what is right. Whereas in this Churchill we see him towards the end of the war exhausted and troubled and weary and drinking heavily and physically out of shape and I think all of that is true I think I think the war was truly exhausting and did lead to substance abuse. The film opens with a beautiful and striking visual image of Churchill standing on a beach and imagining bloody waters washing up on the shore and we're meant to understand that this is him still being traumatised by his failure of leadership at Gallipoli in World War One. You're meant to see him as a leader who is very aware of the cost of war, someone who's served in battles, who's led men into battle, and therefore doesn't use their lives lightly, but someone who is old and who thinks of war as being fought with technology that maybe isn't quite as up to date as that that is available to the Americans. And we see him at a crucial point. This is the weeks before Operation Overlord that we now know is the, the Normandy landings that are going to become a decisive turning point in the war. But Churchill is deeply worried about this. He's worried about the cost of an amphibious landing. He's worried that the troops will get bogged down into trench warfare, as you heard in that clip. And Eisenhower is merely sort of dismissing him as a man who's out of touch with his times. And you also see a Churchill who's frustrated with his role as a politician, that he wants to be with his men. He doesn't want to be sitting behind a desk. And in a sense, the lesson of the film is the same one that we had in The Crown season one, where the Queen has to discover that her role is not to act and put herself into danger. It is to be a figurehead who must survive. And that sometimes, you know, just being that, restricting yourself to surviving is very tough. And this this lesson is taught to Churchill in this film by the king. 
who of course is our current Queen's father. I think Brian Cox is really convincing in the role as Churchill. He gives his Churchill a vulnerability, a deep sympathy that we rarely see on screen, even though the accent maybe isn't as convincing as Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. I think Miranda Richardson has far less to do as the trademark uh, wife with a clemmy hairdo. And Ella Parnell, again, just it's it's this very sort of like sexist role of the wide-eyed, naive secretary. But I very much liked the direction of the film and I liked the landscape photography of the beach in particular. But it has a real visual style, which I, I really did like. I mean, a few notes on the history of this film. <sighs> I have no doubt that Churchill, thinking of preserving the empire rather than just winning the war, had a rather different tactical approach and preferences to Eisenhower. And I have no doubt that as a thinking and human being that he he had doubts and was ashamed of what happened at Gallipoli. But to argue that he was against Overlord and that the king and a pretty secretary had to screw his courage to the sticking place, I think is just absurd. I've seen an article by Tunzelman where she defends this approach and she quotes a meeting that Churchill had um, where he's saying that he's hardening on Overlord. And she kind of interprets that as that he's hardening against uh, the invasion. But if you read the full quote in, in full, this is what it says. I have presided at a series of meetings at which either Ike or Bedell have been present, and I am satisfied that everything is going on well. Ike and Bedell will probably tell you that they are well pleased. I am hardening very much on this operation as the time approaches, in the sense of wishing to strike, if humanly possible, even if the limiting conditions we lay down at Moscow are not exactly fulfilled. I hope a chance may come for us to have a talk before long. Every good wish, end quote. So in other words, Churchill is hardening in favour of the strike, even if the weather conditions and, and sort of some of the con- conditional aspects that they'd laid down at Moscow aren't fulfilled. He wants to push ahead, which is obviously very different to what's shown in this film. So Churchill is an odd one. I think it gives you a fascinating portrait of a Churchill who maybe didn't exist. Although I think there's something to showing the weariness and the toll taken by a long war. So Churchill has a running time of 105 minutes. It is available to rent and own, and it has a rating of PG, Parental Guidance, and the BBFC Insight is that it contains mild bad language and scenes of smoking. So that's all for this week. I think in Darkest Hour and Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, you have two really fantastic, intelligent dramas to watch this week if you manage to catch either of them. I'll be back next week reviewing what's out in the UK, including another award-nominated big star vehicle called The Post, which stars Meryl Streep as the owner of the Washington Post, faced with a decision of whether to go ahead and publish the Pentagon Papers. Can't wait to see that, and I can't wait to talk to you all again. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 